You're listening to Bitter Strawberries. I'm Rosanna and I love writing, rambling and exploring my emotions. Bitter Strawberries is a creative treasure chest of all my thoughts about emotional health, why it's so frequently glossed over and like emotions themselves, suppressed. Join me and you too can be a small seed in a bountiful field of juicy and perfectly imperfect strawberries. All united in a desire to raise awareness and start conversations about things that are deep and meaningful in life. No small talk allowed. Hi everyone, it's Rosanna and you're listening to another episode of Bitter Strawberries. Welcome. Today's episode is all about healing and self-healing and those words I think have a lot of significance in life generally and everything they encompass Um, but they kind of can lose all meaning when we see them thrown around on online and in on social media especially in health and wellness spaces because I think a lot of the time this sort of stems from people attaching meaning or or seeing seeing healing as only happening within a certain context or being owned by certain communities of people um and a lot of that is is probably to do with the way in which we see a divide between allopathic traditional mainstream medicine um and the kind of clinical world that that exists within in terms of science scientific research empirical data like hard statistics and facts and um yeah and and that world and then everything else is almost seen as being like kind of new agey and spiritual and not really being of much substance and not lacking kind of any um proof or uh or data or findings and and evidence that the things like i don't know different practices like reiki or um meditation or or, i don't know different forms of healing or what are seen as healing therapies actually have any real impact on people's lives um but anecdotally we know that they do because there's a huge huge mass of people and this isn't even this isn't a new thing this has been going on for centuries (laughs) um but the way the way in which the world's kind of set up or at least the western world operates is that i think the the lines between those things are maybe becoming more blurred or 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 more maybe more separate in some ways and that there's two like very distinct camps of treatment or healing going on um, and it's which one you maybe identify with but you'll you'll see a lot of people speaking about integrative approaches to health and holistic approaches to health which um, integrative can often mean encompassing both the best bits of like mainstream medicine and the best bits of alternative holistic healing which a lot of the time means like health treatments that are based in natural or more traditional um, approaches and by traditional in that context I mean that they maybe come from different indigenous cultures and communities and um, yeah are to do with like working with like plant medicine or herbs and lots of yeah lots of different ways that can be interpreted but I guess this whole episode I'm gonna explore what what I think healing can look like and what it looks like for me and 
I really do believe that the body is always healing. I, I think we have a lot of proof of that. And so it's not any unusual phenomena that your body wants to push you towards that because if you look at when you'll often see it's like if we if you people use the example of like you cut your finger or you like you get a bruise or something and the body naturally fixes itself it sometimes needs a push in the right direction to be given like all the right ingredients and support that are needed to make that happen and I guess the bigger the illness chronic illness or the bigger the kind of issue that you like that you're dealing with it is the more the more support um the body needs in order to heal but it's also a lot to do with the fact that um in western medicine we see the mind and body as being separate and often like not interconnected and i suppose a lot of what's seen as alternative or holistic healing is all to do with the mind body spirit connection and yeah believing that there isn't any separation between those that everything needs to be taken into account um so i think there's there's crossovers between the two and there's there's uh, there'll be different areas of health and human life where there is more integration of, of practices but for a lot of things it's still quite separate and quite you either choose one path or you choose the other and that really determines like what happens to you and what kind of support you get and then how you perceive by people and you know it, it can affect everything from like family dynamics and f- friendships and how you treated in the workplace and loads of stuff because you know I think this is about something much bigger this is about our lives and how how we live choose to live our lives and the ways in which we look after ourselves So to explore healing and self-healing and what it means to me and the different things that I feel like I've done that have all contributed to my experience of that, I'm going to use this really great book called The Little Book of Self-Healing and it's 150 plus practices for healing your mind, body and soul by Naker M. Okuna and um, she's a freelance journalist who's written about self-care, wellness and grief for a variety of different publications and um, this book's all it's about you having the power to heal yourself um, so it says self-healing is the intentional and empowered work necessary to tune into your inner self bind up wounds and truly restore yourself it's time to begin this vital self-renewal of mind, body and spirit with the little book of self-healing discover 150 plus practices rooted in the essential idea that despite whatever stress or trauma brought you to these pages you are enough to heal and move on from emotional pain and I was given this book I think my mum gave me this book and I just never I had it on my bookshelf and like didn't touch it for ages and I think I'd already gone really far down my own path and journey with all this stuff um before properly like looking into it and discovering it and then when I 
read it, it was almost like a summary of like all the things that I did. And I was looking at them a bit like a checklist. I was like, whoa, yeah, like I did that. I like ticking them all off and thinking, oh, I feel it's so strange that I felt pulled to and drawn to a lot of these things without re- fully realizing that's what they were and that they would be, they can be tied up as this, um, as all part of this journey. But it's obviously from other people who've experienced similar stuff and um i think what what the writers tried to do is really pull that together in a really accessible um simple way each page is dedicated to a different healing prompt or inspiration so and they're all to do with like the mind body and spirit um so there's things like find a spiritual mentor or guide um learn how to be a friend, sit with what you feel, ponder who you are, see the gratitude, uh, witness synchronicities, lo- like loads of different things. But I've I've tried to pull out a few that really resonated with me and the things that I did. And I'm going to read a little quote from the book and then tell you about me and what happened to me. So, yeah. The first thing I'm going to pick from the book is embracing your authentic self. And first I want to say I'm recording this on my one year cancer diagnosis anniversary. It feels a weird thing to mark slash celebrate. And I didn't really know how I'd feel on this day, but I'm actually feeling pretty good. (laughs) It feels like a significant, it does you know, people will have all different experiences if they're marking something similar. Um, and it is a milestone, but I think it's like, I'm just, I'm just pretty amazed I'm in a really different place to what I ever imagined I would be given the news I was told on this day last year. Let's just say that. And I think actually this is a really nice podcast episode to be recording because it feels really positive and it's about reclaiming a lot of agency and empowering yourself through the choices you make and that's something everyone is capable of doing in their own way and in the context of their life so I just want to be here to champion that um and yeah embracing your authentic self so this is a page in one of in this self-healing book and it says unbridled acceptance seems like a tough goal to reach but embracing who we are simply because we exist and because we are deserving of holistic healing, this is truly a gift to ourselves. Accepting who we are in spite of our mistakes, blunders and lapses in judgment can be an uphill battle. We may feel like all our efforts in self-healing are in vain, but it is during those times that we need acceptance the most. It's easy to be confident in who we are when life is good, but when struggles arise, In comes the snap judgments, the pessimism and the struggle to face our hearts and spirits with kindness and gentleness. Practice accepting yourself in those difficult moments. Know that as a human you will never be perfect and waiting on perfection robs you of the chance to love and hold yourself as the unique gift you are now. Lean on this understanding to embrace yourself when it feels hardest, when you want to count yourself out. Know you are worthy, always. And yeah, I think I picked that one first because to me that's been such a huge part of my healing and 
as I think I've said in previous podcast episodes, the fact that I'm able to record this and share it feels like such a huge sign to me that I've done so much recovery and and self-healing and get you, you can kind of um put a coin in a jar every time I say say the word healing in this episode um but yeah it's it's so true it's you know the the fi- it's almost like the finding my way back to who, who I am and and building up my identity and and that's all that's something that's always been there it's not like I've created this new identity out of nowhere um, and all your experiences and from childhood and everything shape all different parts of that. But we're so conditioned in so many ways to shut off certain parts of ourselves and I think especially hide things that we think are maybe embarrassing or that we'll be like bullied or like teased for and and that that goes right, you know, starts in childhood but goes all the way into adulthood and um, and then you can feel really trapped, I think, and trapped in being this this version of yourself that you've kind of created that you think is the version that is maybe like palatable and acceptable and likable to people, but it might be at odds with who you really are. And that's that's a big part of what this whole experience has been for me. And it's allowing all the different parts of myself to come like to the fore and I don't I I don't think I've fully done that yet I think it's a constant like learning and exploring but each each thing I do that maybe feels like a bit of a risk or a bit of a challenge but it's also something that excites me and my intuition tells me to go with it I've been trying to lean into more of that stuff because I know that's my authentic voice um authentic being in person trying to like set myself free and and speak and um be seen and be heard because I think that's actually what we're all craving to do and last year I did a counselling course which I think I've mentioned before on the podcast and as part of my counselling course at the end of it I had to give a presentation to the group of people that I was training with and it was all about we were doing stuff around Carl Rogers who's kind of seen as being like the father of human person-centered psychotherapy um and his concepts and so mine was all around self-concept and then I talked about um what not being my authentic self looked like in my daily life and I wrote this list so I thought it'd be cool to read it out so you get a better idea of some of the things where I was hiding certain parts of myself Um, So not being my authentic self in my daily life looked like never saying no, even if even when I didn't want to do something, resenting doing a lot of things I wish I'd said no to, not setting clear boundaries for myself and with others, always trying to people please even people I didn't really like, spending money I didn't have and constantly being in debt, not voicing my opinion, often staying silent or just joining in with others trying to fit in by pretending I enjoyed something or being somewhere even if I didn't, canvassing support, advice and guidance from others when I was always unable to make my own decisions, filling up my diary so that I never had any gaps of time to rest, look after myself or do things I wanted to do, squashing my creative passions and hobbies because I felt massive imposter syndrome, always being on the go, rushing from one place to the next and I think all of those things sort of 
they there's there's kind of a, a constant theme around people pleasing <laughs> which comes up a lot again in these kind of uh discussions and spaces and i think yeah especially when you're socialized as a girl and as a woman in society you maybe experience that even more strongly um but it's it's just interesting to reflect on how much how much those things were all creating barriers and preventing me from really truly expressing myself and I felt completely suffocated by all of those things I listed but I didn't realize that was the case like I maybe knew on some level but I thought oh this is just like how everyone feels so it's it's fine to be kind of yeah uh trapped in this this cycle of doing all the of sort of performing in this way and all these behaviors and like sort of protecting myself I guess to some extent but really what I was doing was completely destroying or like or um not allowing my authentic self to to be fully expressed and I think that can cause disease in itself like it's it's really underestimated how 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 much that can affect you sort of your soul and your spirit and and your life because you've you lose all sort of um like vibrance and vitality and energy and enthusiasm when you know deep down that you're suppressing who you really are and elsewhere in my presentation that was all about embracing your authentic self and where I felt well where I felt like I hadn't been my authentic self I talked about wearing a number of masks which I feel were the they were kind of like the veil and what was hiding my authentic self and what was the the self that I wanted to project to people and I wanted people to believe and see. So I put so much time and energy into making people fall in love with that person, like as cheesy as that sounds, or that's like, that's what I wanted more than anything. But actually it's so detrimental when you realise that's not who you truly are and you've just been kind of like playing this role the whole time and that doesn't mean to say that everything that happened to me before my diagnosis or who I was was a bad person or that I was like wrong or I needed fixing or you know anything it's not it's not to try and like point fingers at myself and say that but it's just to really recognise like the shift that's happened and the oh, I can see why I did all those things. And actually, like the masks that I talk about wearing, so one was being the life and soul of the party, um, which I did a lot at uni <laughs> when I was between the ages of like 18 to 21. Or 20, I can't remember. Um, and that was those were like my really fun, like going, and probably, yeah, all early 20s was like, fun going out a lot kind of years and just trying to like impress as many people as possible make as many people laugh as possible um accumulating like friends like in a probably not very healthy way um and but not really thinking about whether like my thinking about my values or who or my own identity and whether things like matched up but there's there's a lot of stuff that I loved about being that person and that brought loads of amazing has brought loads of amazing people into my life um but it's also really exhausting when I was forcing myself into like a lot of extra more extroverted situations that I didn't always feel comfortable in and didn't want to be in that much of that amount of the time um and it's it's also to do with like 
maybe like age and maturity and just seeing things from a different perspective um another mask was the being the yes person who would never turn down any invitation to do anything but actually would often double book triple book and let people down and then that would cause me like horrible guilt and then I'd feel awful and then that was its own like vicious cycle and by being the person who said yes to everything I was saying yes to everyone else's agenda everyone else's plans and like activities and things that they wanted to do again didn't mean that I there weren't those there weren't things within that that I really wanted to do but I was never listening to the internal like the oh but what like what do I want to make time to do like that just wasn't even a a thing for so many years and the final mask that I sort of explored in this presentation was the fixer so I was I felt like I was that person who would try and befriend anyone in a bad especially people in bad situations and try to help them out of it even if my own health suffered um and that's something I still struggle with because I think uh, it's that kind of caretaking it all feeds into maybe like the caretaking empathetic like but also a bit of like people pleasing thing and sometimes it can be really hard to find the balance and the line because I think I am someone who's naturally called to help people and I feel like part of what I'm the period of my life that I'm sort of shifting into now or like this new chapter of training to be a menstrual cycle coach and setting up an emotional health podcast and then like doing all my artwork and things like that is all related to like help and like how much like creativity's helped me and expressing myself and things like that and work you know working with people that are on their own journeys and struggling with different things um but it's it's finding a it's creating a like a boundary and I feel like boundary is a word that gets really overused and like therapy speak and again like those circles online but it is it is important in terms of creating those separations for yourself so that you can preserve your own energy and as my hypnotherapist said so that you can operate and move from a beautifully full cup which I think is such a good way of putting it it's like your cup has to be full first in order to help fill up someone else's and yeah I just think that's perfect Another chapter from the book, or chapter, page, this, this book's a little book, so it's all pages, um, but one called Be Selfish, which, which links really closely to that embracing your authentic self, and really strangely is almost the same words as what I was just saying about filling up your own cup first, um, but I just thought I'd read out this passage. So it says, selfish is not the boogeyman hiding underneath our beds, a word to be feared, to avoid at all costs. Though the term may conjure up images of those who are not concerned in the least about anyone else, who hoard their time and resources to only benefit themselves, it can also mean something else, something essential to mental health and healing. Selfish can be centering your own needs, prioritising them as they deserve to be prioritised. In this time of healing, In this time of trying to unburden yourself from the wounds that have formed over time, be selfish. Before showing up to give support to others, check in with your own mental well-being. Do you have the capacity to actively listen, to be of support and to hold space for someone else? If the answer to this question is no, focus your attentions on replenishing that mental energy now.
To do so is the opposite of being uncaring. It is recognising your cup needs to be filled up to the brim in order to have resources to share with others. Snap, that's what I just said. (laughs) Um, Yeah, but I feel like those two things go so well together that they're, yeah, massively interlinked and it can feel really hard to be selfish and and focus on your healing and kind of turn down like kind offers and people people offering to be there for you in all different ways whether that's like coming around to your house or your flat or like going on a walk or doing something and sometimes you might or maybe a lot of the time you might feel like doing those but I think for me a lot of the last year has almost been a bit of a a retreat and by retreat I don't mean that I've actually really been away anywhere (laughs) like on any kind of heal you know healing retreat I've just been within my been in my own flat and in my own space but I've probably seen a lot well I have seen a lot less people and I've said no to a lot more things and that that all comes from really recognizing that my own energy levels were so low when I got diagnosed with cancer and in order to help my in my recovery and my healing I had to really like build those energy levels back up from from zero and then I've had to be really protective and kind of safeguard them so that I can maintain like this everything I've done and and the kind of place that I'm in now and I think then once that once you have done that it becomes easier to let things like allow things back into your life and to be a bit more like free and easy but it's just having that awareness in the first place and that all comes from doing something for yourself and being selfish even though that typically for many of us has negative connotations but it's really important and tied into the embracing your authentic self and being selfish I just found this little quote that I'd written that was part of my my presentation for my counselling course last year where I said um I had no idea who I really was because so much of my time was taken up focusing on other people I didn't carve out space for myself I allowed people to step all over my boundaries because I didn't have any. I let other people define who I was and I believed that. And the truth is that doing this made me tired, exhausted, unhappy and ultimately chronically ill. I believe my body is incredibly intelligent and cancer has been trying to tell me something all along. I need to be my authentic self. I can't be a good friend, partner, family member, colleague or most importantly me if I'm not being my authentic self. So go forth, people. Be your authentic self. The next healing pillar that I've chosen is saying no to toxic positivity. And in this book, uh, Naka M. Okuna writes, there's nothing wrong with choosing to see the good in things Seeing silver linings, reframing things positively when faced with a less than sunny circumstance can feel like a practice in growth. However, living and healing with positivity that feels very black and white, without room for any shades of grey, can be limiting. Reframing sometimes erases or hides what may be hard or unwanted, but important to healing. When you feel compelled to offer up toxic positivity, painting what is sad, horrifying and tragic in a positive light, refrain pause and consider whether this will be truly helpful to the person in question 
If that someone is you, give yourself the space to process what has happened and hold the truth of it with you. Healing is a practice in radical honesty. Give yourself and others the chance to move through the land of what is real and painful. When we face the hard parts in our lives, we build resilience that will be helpful as we continue to face the unexpected situations that life sends our way. There is no need to set off on a quest looking for the good when there is none to be found. So I think I agree with most of that. It's an interesting one because where I'm at now, I'm more like I'm I'm generally feeling much better in myself. So maybe I'm feeling positive more of the time, but obviously that's not to say I like I don't feel that every single day. Um but I definitely feel a lot more gratitude and joy in kind of simple things in life. Um and but I think where this bit's trying what this kind of excerpts like try to point to around saying no to toxic positivity really like rang true for me in the sense that I was someone who only really allowed myself to express and display positive emotions particularly to mainly to like friends and in work and like in social situations and those kind of contexts and maybe only within the context of my own family um would I allow myself to like express like sadness or grief or anger or you know but like anger is one thing that I've always like really struggled to express um so I suppressed it a lot and then it caused me loads of problems (laughs) um but yeah I think I think my issue was seeing myself as this super sociable outgoing happy-go-lucky all the time personality and a big part of that was being silly and funny and making people laugh and not take like trying not to take myself too seriously all of which could I think could be really good things but it meant that if I ever when I felt um I suppose what are labeled as like negative emotions or like like I said things like sadness grief anger resentment I would either like bottle them up a lot and then they so they weren't kind of coming out of me or I'd take them out on one person in particular mainly my mum and I've always felt this pressure to make other people happy and that I can't be sad because if I'm sad then I'll make everyone else sad and how bad would that be and I think that narrative's like followed me a lot through my life and it's a narrative that I've kind of created for myself and might have it probably came from a place of needing to protect myself at some point or like making myself safe in a situation and then it became my default so to step outside of that felt really dangerous and to and that meant and stepping outside of that meant expressing lots of different emotions and not just the the positive ones and that and I suppose that toxic positivity is that overwhelming we have that overwhelming focus in society even though there's a much bigger conversation around mental health and um not as much emotional health which is what I'm focusing on but uh, you know there's a we're all like oh there's a mental health like epidemic and it's awful and we need all this support and everything's underfunded and we don't have the services that people need but actually a huge part of our culture and kind of what goes on on social media is all about presenting 
a really one-sided view and perspective of what life's really like and it's these like extreme highs and kind of yeah glossiness and this like perfectionist um amazing kind of no like no rough edges sort of lifestyle and it's just yeah I mean I I feel like I'm spelling out something that maybe we all can connect to but we know we know it's not real and um but it but still um if that's what we're kind of taking in every day and it's those messages and those images are, are, are really powerful and really strong like social media companies and the way they're set up tech companies know what they're doing these are all like things that are pro being programmed into our subconscious minds and so we're on if we're only seeing pos- those positive or fake toxic positivity positivity messages and depictions of things and representations of how people live then if our lives are falling short of that in any way and they'll be so and everyone's lives are so vastly different then we don't feel good enough it'll it it all kind of works into that that idea that we're just not like we're not enough as who we are as human beings and I think that's so destructive and yeah there's so much more I could probably say about that but it's it's a way to like it makes you question your own sanity and you feel a lot of shame and guilt I think and um that you're not like living up to this like this positive standard and actually I'm really like cautious of where I'm trying to find a place in creating my podcast and my artwork and my work like the creative workshops that I'm doing because I don't want to lead anyone down that path of being like of of toxic positivity I, I want to kind of reflect all the shades of life and all the different emotions and actually it's it's a lot about like questioning our own judgments and where why we've decided things are like inherently good and bad and why we've assigned good and bad meanings to different emotions when actually if we see them all as neutral and we allow ourselves just to process things it's like wow I'm feeling grief that makes sense because I've just experienced a loss or a big change or a shift of something in my life I'm just going to let myself sit with that even if it's really uncomfortable in the same way that I need to allow myself to sit with like laughter or joy or pain or you know it's kind of feeling that full range of everything but not not being not allowing our kind of inner critic or yeah that harsh judgment to oh quick quick we need to like erase you know we've got this feeling we can feel this like horrible negative feeling in our bodies we need to erase it and get past it really quickly and like brush it under the carpet because that's where all that tension and resentment and pain and further suffering builds up and then yeah and life is about all these these contrasts and differences and I I just think the more we try to make something like wholly one thing the more like disappointed and yeah sort of lost we become. On to the next healing message from the book, which is hold the grief. This is one I've picked out. And in the book it says, grief is a constancy, 
No matter how carefully you may navigate life, you will encounter loss, disappointment, hardship, even betrayal. Progressing through our healing, through the changes we must make and accept, introduces us to a grieving process too. When we heal, we are walking towards a new version of ourselves and we are letting go of what we used to be. It's a good shift, but can also be a sad one. The you that you were previously in your journey is gone and you will never exist again. This is a loss that should be properly mourned. Grief must be held, not ignored. When we hold our grief, we integrate it into our new lives after loss. And in doing so, we allow ourselves to accept our losses and heal from them. Initiate holding grief by naming any impactful losses you've experienced along the path to healing. Plan a ritual for mourning those losses. Your ritual could include lighting a candle in memory of the losses, naming what they are and giving yourself space to express express whatever emotions arise. Gently and honourably hold your grief for the past in order to fully accept what is no more. Then you can move forward with a lighter mind, making room for the changes to come. Holding your grief will ultimately help you heal. And I think this really relates to the last point I made and around that kind of not just sitting in toxic positivity and saying no to it because it's that allowing yourself to feel difficult emotions and the emotions that we're most likely to want to avoid and escape from and I think grief most people would probably say is is one of the biggest ones and we I think as soon as we think of grief we're like oh grief equals death like grief has to be related to the the physical death of someone and the loss of someone from our lives but I think I experienced grief in so many different forms throughout the past year in terms of my own healing and a lot of that was grief for my past self and the different versions of myself because I all of a sudden I I suppose I felt a sudden in some ways and also a gradual distancing from who I was and that person I was and it was like having to close the door on that chapter of my life and know that after I got my cancer diagnosis that nothing nothing was ever going to be the same again um and that wasn't all negative a lot of that's actually been way more positive than I could have ever anticipated but knowing that I it was it felt in some ways it felt like the loss of like innocence and maybe a bit of naivety to the world and that kind of like blissful ignorance and unlike lack of self-awareness a lot of the time um but I could hold that version of myself that past or the past versions of myself and understand why I made decisions that I did at certain points and why I made choices that like I maybe wouldn't make now but it all made sense at the time and it's like and I know why I didn't express like I found it difficult to express quote-unquote negative emotions and all that I could I could kind of hold those like younger or like or different versions of myself and be like be kind towards them and be compassionate but it didn't mean that it didn't come with a lot of pain in terms of letting go and sadness because I felt like I felt it in the sense of a loss of you know did this mean like the loss of loads of friendships did it mean the loss of like certain connections with people my identity my sense of self like all of that was so much of that was coming into question and was having to be was kind of re-emerging as some as something different that I felt at a loss of like well who 
like who am I and what like who is this past person and how do I like who who can I be going forwards if that's not me because that's who who I thought I always was and actually now if I look back on like different phases of my life I can see that I was probably I was attached to that version of myself for as long as I needed to be I was that person for as long as I needed to be and then something had to shift and I think we all go through these natural cycles of of kind of death and rebirth in terms of our own identities and personalities and who who we are in the world as we find maybe like deeper meaning and and we feel changed by different events and experiences and things that happen um and it's it's honoring that i think i think honoring those the those cycles of of death and rebirth within our own lives helps us to hold grief as a as an emotion that doesn't necessarily doesn't have to be all negative and pain it can be there's there's positive aspects to grief too there's different shades of it and it's that not yeah not kind of trying to attach that negative or positive meaning but just accepting grief for what it is and what it feels like because it it feels you know there's some similarities in how it is for all people but it also feels different to everyone and it affects people in different ways um and I like that uh in the the bit that I read out that um the writer says this is a loss that should be properly mourned and grief must be held not ignored because I think so much of what culture and society tries to get us to do is to push us away from exploring those those painful feelings and it's like oh like if you 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 know you need grief counseling or you need to go and sit in like your grief space or you need a bit of time out and you need to be signed off sick from work and all these different things and actually is it because we've created a society where we don't allow us in communities and in space we don't create enough communities and spaces where grief can be expressed and held and people feel safe to do that and it's it's an acceptable like emotion and acceptable way of expressing yourself because I think so often people are so scared of it that we try to avoid it at all costs and we prescribe pills and we prescribe medication and we push people into a corner and kind of like let them deal with it by themselves and don't let them you know and actually a lot of what I've realized recently is that I've um as I've started tra- training to be a menstrual cycle coach and the um the training that I'm on with Lisa de Young who um is a menstrual cycle coach and facilitator and leads this amazing training program in the the like group of people that I'm um that are going through this process with me we've I think some of the sessions that we've had together it's felt like a collective sense of grief and loss of because we've all been through our own struggles related to our menstrual cycles and and a lot of it related to mental health as mental and emotional health and I think you know grief a lot of the time needs to be needs to happen in communities it can't be it's it can't always be like a solo individual thing that someone experiences alone and maybe it's just recognizing that and yeah and holding it and finding spaces where you can feel like it's acceptable and it will be held and that's yeah it's not always easy to find those but they are out there and they do exist so I just want to reassure people of that 
And my next choice of uh, healing inspiration is reframe rest guilt. So again, a quote from the book, guilt is a toxin. When the emotion of guilt arises, it often comes from a place of feeling that you don't deserve to focus on yourself. You may feel that it's selfish to be more concerned about your well-being than anyone else's or that you're neglecting caring about those around you. Guilt about slowing down and focusing on rest in order to heal your body and move forward refreshed has to be gently worked with. When you experience guilt in resting, you are feeding into the notion that you must drive yourself into the ground to be a person worthy of all that you receive or desire in life. But sometimes you must say no in order to say yes to feeling revitalised and whole rather than run down and perpetually depleted. Reframe that guilt by looking toward the good the healing that comes from choosing rest. Are you more present in your life? Does the world around you seem brighter because you've embraced slowness rather than a hurried pace? Are you able to give more of yourself to a goal or to others after rest? Look for these seeds of goodness and plant them wherever the guilt tries to grow. I, I really like that piece and it's so beautifully written and I think and even at the start where it says guilt is a toxin like guilt is one of the strongest things I think I would I remember repeating to my counsellor when I was having counselling sessions that I just always feel this overwhelming sense of guilt like I'm not doing enough I'm not good enough and I don't know how to escape it and like how to remedy it and fix it that was my like ongoing narrative for a long time um but like like she said in the passage, I think like guilt arises when we feel like we don't deserve to be focusing on ourselves. And it also is part of that wider like cultural story around rest is seen as lazy and it's not, um, it, it means something about us as a person that we're, we're not, we're a bad person and we're not, you know, we're not as good as others who are constantly on the go and constantly busy and, um, always trying to do something for themselves like to take time out to rest to to literally do nothing which is what I think is the definition of rest but it can look different for different people is um it's it's like vital like animals rest they do it all the time like you you stare into a field of cows and like cows are either eaten like chewing on grass or they're lying down in a field like they're not you know and Oh, it's like watching a cat you know cats like have the chill the most chilled life and we could take we could all take a leaf out of animals book because uh, an animals book <laughs> um because they're just like modeling that behavior for us so perfectly like we need to rest and it's not something we should feel guilty about but inevitably we do because of the way we're again we're conditioned and raised in society um and it also i think we everyone's got different kind of levels and like tolerances and and it doesn't mean that some people are stronger and more resilient or more amazing than others but people people experience things like stress and burnout in different ways and to different degrees and so your like your need to rest at a certain point and what make what stuff you find stressful and what triggers you or what causes you to feel exhausted is different to someone else's so if someone else might need like 
a week or a day or half a day off work because they're burnt out someone else might need three months or six months or you know it's it's totally different and I, I just don't think we should ever attach like judgment or shame or kind of negative talk to people who take time to rest I think we should all be looking to them as examples of I'm not talking about resting when you you have like because most of the time we only rest when we're absolutely forced to which is when we get like ill or chronically ill and then we even before we've had chance to recover we take off like the bare amount like bare minimum of time that we need from work and then we go full back into like delivery and back into like busy bodying ourselves and then like probably a month or two later or a few months later we get sick again and we're like oh how did that happen and for some people like in disabled communities and things like that it's just not a choice to like a lot of people or people with chronic illnesses have to rest because they don't have the option like their life kind of depends on it and their health depends on it and but I think it's a lesson for everyone and yeah just reframing rest as part of your rest guilt as part of your healing journey is like pivotal in my opinion because so many times when I said no to things and like turned things down and took time out for myself or like cancelled plans like my my natural instinct is to feel awful and guilty and shame myself for it and be really self-critical when but actually I've managed to like like silence that a lot and quieten it a lot by reframing how I see rest and that I view rest as as one of my like main pillars to keeping me sane and keeping me happy and keeping me like balancing my energy and making sure I can do the things I want to do in the world and that to me is so much more important and it's it's not like something that happens overnight but I think if the more we individually chip away at that within ourselves the more we'll shift the collective perception and conversation around rest and make it way more normalized and acceptable and just necessary I think I always think of you know when you see if you ever played the sims like when you're younger or now <laughs> which I'd love to play it now um you always see that bit where they've got the different energy levels like a different bar and it's like I think it's like sleep nutrition like leisure time like um, yeah and the, the sleep and the rest is all part of that it's huge so think of yourself like a sim and if you don't have balanced energy levels they start to kick off somewhere in the corner <laughs> and then you have to like take them out of the room um yeah oh and on just on this topic before I forget um I haven't read this book yet but I've seen I've followed this person for a while and I know they're really big in um the sort of rest radical rest space and they're called uh the well their Instagram account is called the nap ministry and um they their whole kind of founding principle is rest is resistance um and I've got the book on like well I'm, I've reserved it at the library but it's not ready yet um so it's what it's on my to read list but just to tell you a bit about it um yeah the founder and creator of the nap ministry rest is a resistance um is a battle cry a guidebook a map for a movement and a field guide for the weary and hopeful this book is 
rooted in spiritual energy and centred in black liberation, womanism, somatics and Afrofuturism with captivating storytelling and practical advice. And oh, the writer's called Trisha Hersey, um, but her lyrical voice and inf- is informed by a deep experience in theology, activism and performance art. Rest is resistance is a call to action and a manifesto for those who are sleep deprived, searching for justice and longing to be, to, uh, to be liberated from the oppressive grip of growing culture. So it's all rooted um, in, like, like she said, in this very social activist um, black liberation space. But it's, yeah, her work like looks amazing and lots of the kind of snippets and things that I've read on social media and online like have just been really inspiring. So I think this is something that is so much deeper um, and, yeah, everyone should explore. And my last healing pillar for this episode that I've chosen from the book is starting anew. And that's actually the last, I think that's the last one in the book. Um, So it says, as cliched as this saying is, the longest, most winding journeys to do begin with one step, one decision. When you set out to heal, you don't know where you'll land. And it's no consolation knowing that the process will be filled with challenges as you face your shadows and learn how to let them go with grace. Starting over, as scary as it may seem, is an exercise in courage. A fierceness resides in the spirits of those who set out on an unknown path with hope that it will bring them something different that they need. Over the course of history and storytelling, the hero's journey has proven exactly this. If you feel out of alignment with your healing goals, it may be time to find your courage sorry, find your courage within and start on a more edifying path. It may be time to reset your spiritual space for new lessons and healing and put aside what no longer works. Say goodbye to those things with the utmost amount of love and gratitude. Accept that you are venturing somewhere new. The forge, then forge onward with the conviction that all will be okay. Your spirit certainly knows this to be true. And I think that's just a really uplifting message for life in general but especially if you're on some sort of healing journey um an emotional healing recovery uh I really like believe in starting anew and like I said it it goes back to that kind of like death and rebirth cycles and new like new chapters of our life and I think the worst sometimes not sometimes all all the time the worst places the places when I've felt the worst and when I've experienced the most most health problems um and like had the most like kind of negative consequences in my in my life and like well-being has been when I've been the most stagnant and when I felt stuck and when I haven't made it felt like I've not had a choice or been able to make a decision to get out of that and actually I'm really starting to realize now more than ever that I have choices and those choices might be if I take a certain risk or a decision it might feel really scary and like I have no backup plan and no idea what I'm going to do next but I think that's what life is pushing us to do and I'm not saying every situation calls for that but maybe if you're feeling that something there's a bigger kind of force at play or a bigger energy and things are shifting for you and you just you feel like stuck in a rut and nothing you know you kind of 
maybe you're a bit like emotionless like you're not really feeling any kind of like heightened like highs or lows or um that kind of ebb and flow of life you just very everything's very like static and stagnant and uninspiring and like low vibrational feeling that's the that's the best way I can describe it then my understanding of that and my interpretation is that you're being invited called pushed asked to start anew by the universe like I'm I'm a big believer and I'll go into this in some of the episodes but I've, I've been getting very much into like uh well I'm really into the moon and using the moon as a guide um and I'm looking more into astrology and yeah kind of signs and like an energy and metaphysics of the universe like I find it all really fascinating and um but I think I think that thing about the hero's journey is so that was mentioned in this bit was so important because yeah it says over the course of history and storytelling the hero's journey is proven proven exactly this that um those who set out on an unknown path like with just with hope and with belief and with kind of courage and strength and accepting that like they feel fear but then but not not allowing fear to stop them from making that decision not allowing fear to be to to direct everything and and kind of just keep them in this stuck static state I think that's when you you risk like well you you encounter the most disappointment because you'll never know you've never taken that leap you've never taken that jump um and it might be that you need more gradual steps to get there not everyone can feel like they can make such huge shifts so suddenly it's it's about building that that kind of trust within yourself to do that and yeah I just think all of that is is such a big part of the human experience and what like what we're meant to do and what we want to do and that's where we experience the most like the higher vibrations of life and living and energy around us is when we we take those risks and we step into the unknown because something will be there to catch us on the other side we just don't know what it is and we don't know what it looks like and it it means a new life it might mean like new friends a new house a new flat like a new and not all those material like not the necessarily the material things but a new environment a new operating from a new and uh sort of energy or personality or way of functioning in the world and seeing things from a different perspective all of that is encompassed and starting anew so whatever that looks like for you I think a big part of healing in my opinion is is to find out what that is for yourself So that's been my little episode all about healing and self-healing and what it means and yeah maybe like demystifying it a bit um, and what it looked like for me really it's all from my perspective and I just want to say before I finish that I think it's yeah healing's not a linear process and I don't think some people are like there's a big I feel like there's a lot of like controversy again around it in these like sort of self-help health and wellness spaces where some people are like oh you're always healing like there's always work to be done and 
other people like no you reach a point and then you've done everything and that's it and then you your life's just like rosy and I kind of I think I fall like somewhere in the middle of that conveniently that I don't think we should always be doing such heavy work on ourselves like constantly I think you reach more of a balance and like an equilibrium where you've done a lot and you know yourself a lot better and then you you almost like create a toolkit for yourself by doing some of the things we've explored in today's episode that then you you have that like kind of to rely on so that whatever whatever you encounter it's like coping strategies and techniques you just yeah you kind of your tools are sharpened and like you're strengthened and you can maybe handle the ups and downs of life a lot better but it doesn't mean that we reach this point and then everything's fixed and we don't experience any negativity or any pain or suffering after that because I, I really again going back to that whole point made earlier I think life is about all those contrasts and shades and so we should never be looking to eradicate all of one thing but I think a lot of it comes like to me it comes to mean that we're just embracing love and love for ourselves and and love for others like in all forms so like good or bad or whatever we've labeled good or bad emotions it's it's love and compassion for everything and yeah to me that's really at the center of this and speaking of starting anew which was the last thing I sort of focused on I want to talk about my workshops that I have coming up really exciting so I did my first moon maps workshop earlier this week so I did a a new moon session and that was all about setting goals and intentions and really sort of marking new beginnings and new chapters and how we like speak our dreams and desires into reality um and work towards things and so that was that was fantastic I had a really good group of people who came to that so thanks so much everyone who came and gave positive feedback and got engaged in the session and it's um yeah it's really cool to be able to start this and and have people join me on the moon maps journey so i've got my next one on uh, monday the 27th of november at 7 p.m and that's for the full moon um so that's yeah seven till half eight on zoom and tickets are 15 pounds and they're available on eventbrite but you can find the link through my bitter strawberries instagram page um And then I'll have a new moon session on the 12th of December at the same time again on Zoom um, and another full moon after that. But you you can see the dates when you um, have a look on my Instagram. And then um, before, actually before the next moon map session, I have a menstrual cycle mood maps (laughs) workshop. A lot of M's in in the titles for these things. But that's um that's going to be really good that's all around so as I've said I'm training to be a menstrual cycle coach and facilitator and I'll be looking to work with people one-to-one in the near future but at the moment I'm um running my first creative workshop which is all around uh kind of exploring a lot of the shame and stigma around um menstrual cycles and whether you have a menstrual cycle or not or you feel connected to the menstrual cycle or not it doesn't really matter it's just it's really open to anyone who just has an interest and would like to explore this topic more and yeah that um I'll be talking about my own personal experience but you it's all about you kind of drawing a connection to what 
your beliefs, understandings, feelings, attachments to menstru- menstrual cycles. Oh, menstrual cycles are. You can tell it's the end of the episode. And um, yeah, unpacking a lot of the uh, internalized sort of yeah uh embarrassment fear guilt like things that we have around them and um yeah and just putting that into a really fun creative process so it's a heavy topic pardon the pun but it's going to be dealt with in a really gentle light and hopefully fun and creative way um and tickets for that are 20 pound and that's sunday the 26th of november on zoom from 4 p.m till 6 p.m so yeah I would love to see everyone, anyone who's interested, join me at that session. I think it'll be great. And that's me for today. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'm going to try and record podcasts, record and release podcast episodes every two weeks from now on. Um, I've just been starting out and experimenting, but I've been really enjoying it. And yeah, I hope you'll stick around for the next one. I'm Rosanna, this is Bitter Strawberries, I'll see you next time.